Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. Head there to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Believe B L E A V to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing available offers for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast with Jeremy Evans. Always appreciate you being with us. And making us the number one sports law podcast in the world. So today we have a, a very special show. Going to be talking about uh, this idea of business strategy when it comes to uh, growing sports conglomerates. And what do I mean by that? Well, what we mean is this idea of sports team owners that have um, investors or that have investments beyond the field, right? So, it, and we'll sort of get into the history of this, but um, the idea is, is that uh, sports teams have grown well beyond uh, just being uh, focused on either the talent on the field, the athletes on the field, and or the venue. Uh, it's grown well beyond that, and we'll get into what some of that looks like. But uh, today is uh, Monday, January 23rd. This is uh, episode four of season four. And again, appreciate you being with us. So again, we're talking about the strategy of growing sports conglomerates or the strategy of growing, um, let's say, sports team ownership and sort of what that looks like and um, and how that's changed. So and looking at this, uh, we can kind of see that in the past, um, owning a sports team, and there's been so many uh, quotes about this, but it used to be that, you know, this, this idea would be said, you know, if you want to um, lose money in an investment, buy a sports team, right? Or the old line about uh, the best day of my life uh, was the day that I bought the boat, and the next best day of my life was the day that I returned the boat, Right. Um, sort of this idea of business and assets and and what things pay out and what things don't. And the idea being that a boat causes more problems than it does joy, um, maybe in a joking sense, but that's sort of the line, right? And sports teams were no different, um, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, a lot of that has changed though, where, um, you know, really the it used to be sort of, you know, you'd maybe root for the team because it was a passion project, right? It was like, I grew up rooting for this team and now I own the team. 
or um, you maybe have some skills in sort of management. And so you think, okay, like, well, I love this team. I love this brand, um, you know, and you have the money to purchase a team and you go out and you purchase it. And of course, a lot of these things have changed over the years. It's become harder to become an owner, namely because it's become more expensive, but also because there's a lot more rules in place. You have to get approval from the owners, um, you know, especially as these ownership groups have, uh, uh, the teams have grown in terms of there's more teams in these leagues now. Um, you know, you're going to have bylaws and constitutions between uh, between leagues. And of course, you got to deal with uh, the uh, players unions and that sort of thing. So things have just become more complicated. And with that complication, the investment has gone up. So you have uh, further investment when it comes to um, some of these things. Now, of course, uh, again, with the advance of time and resources, uh, what's, ended, what it, what's ended up happening is that these television contracts have become more expensive. And I would say, arguably, television contracts are probably the biggest investment in a team uh, in terms of it's their biggest asset in that that's the thing that sells for the most money, uh, money in terms of coming in. Now you could make the argument that the players on the field are the biggest asset, right? Cause that's what keeps the fans coming. Uh, you could even say that the next up in line would be um, maybe the brand, or you could even say the venue, you know, there's, there's some ties between having a new venue or a very fun venue or an entertainment sort of focused venue. And what that means for fans winning is obviously important. Uh, we've talked about on this show and I've written about this idea of sort of the the four tenets of successful uh, ownership in a team. And uh, what that really comes down to is, uh, you know, winning. It comes down to having a good venue. It comes down to having good personnel and uh, amongst some other things that uh, we've sort of written about in that. But the point being is, is that sports teams weren't always this huge investment. Uh, you know, there's sort of, you can look back and obviously with inflation and everything else, and you can see, okay, team was purchased for, you know, let's say $350 million. There's a lot of money, but, uh, and then let's say maybe five, 10 years later, the team is worth a billion dollars because it includes the brand. It includes the talent. It includes the, um, the talents under contract anyway. Uh, and it includes the venue, right? So things have clearly grown, right? But the television contracts, uh, at least today, are the largest sort of uh, money makers when it comes to the team. And those have clearly gone up to million and billion dollar uh, uh, revenue opportunities. And of course, those have been reinvested in players as, as sort of salary has gone up. Uh, it's been reinvested in infrastructure. We have these new stadiums, uh, which are you know uh, well over billions of dollars now particularly the $5 billion stadium and, and outlying development for SoFi in Los Angeles where the Rams and the Chargers play, but obviously owned by the, um, the Rams ownership and Stan Kroenke. So, you know, these new stadiums also represent um, a significant amount of entertainment, media, and sports programming. So it used to be that a stadium would be, you know, essentially closed for most of the year. You might go there for, you know, your, your football, basketball, baseball games, what have you, hockey, uh, hockey games, that sort of thing, soccer matches. But now, and of course, sometimes you'd even have this sort of like a stadium that would be all purpose and you'd have multiple teams playing in the stadium. A lot of that has changed. 
uh, where things become more specialized um, and even where, where individual teams might share a venue. Um, the technology and the infrastructure has changed so much for the better uh, that these things are, um, you know, for example, you can go to uh, cryptoarena.com um, or you can go to, sounds like an advertisement every time we say that, but uh, formerly Staples Center. And, you know, you could go watch a Clippers game, you could watch a Lakers game, you could watch a Sparks game, and you could watch a Kings game. And it, and it would be um, pretty flawless in terms of the floors would change, the stickers would change. Um, obviously, between hockey and basketball, the floors would change, right? Because you go from ice to, to hardwood. But I think the point being is that venues have gotten more expensive. That obviously means a larger investment into the team. And, and I think if we look in the past few years, um, some of the major goals for teams have been gaming. There's been this huge increase in gaming. Obviously, that big deal that was just brokered, $68 billion, uh, Microsoft purchasing, Activ purchasing Activision. Um, that's a little bit outside of sports, right, in the sense of sort of owning a sports team in that sense. But clearly, esports, clearly gaming, uh, the gamification of everything has changed everything. And it's opened up some uh, significant opportunities for teams. Uh, they've, you know, sort of had these uh, esports gaming teams or what have you. A lot of opportunities have opened up um, in that sense. And so uh, that was, I would say, the past five, you know, three to five years or so, mostly within the past three. And then now we've sort of in the past two years have had this idea of special purpose acquisition companies or SPACs, SPACs, which might as well be called sports purpose acquisition companies because uh, sports teams, sports owners, sports investors use these things, um, these SPACs to essentially go out and look for opportunities um, to take companies public or to look for opportunities for investments. It's sort of a less formal process when it comes to uh, an IPO, an initial public offering, at least in terms of the advancement of the dollars. It's more instead of focusing dollars and saying we're going to directly to this IPO, this a specific company. It's more of a broad approach of let's look beyond one company. Let's look at multiple investments. In many ways, it's, it's a way to diversify investments. But that's sort of been the next big thing, right? Is this these SPACs that have been done, uh, Redbird Capital, there's been a few other Fenway, um, 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 Fenway Sports Group. Uh, you know, we've had uh, several of these groups that have come along that have done this to sort of look at investments. And so, of course, again, last three to five years, gaming um, uh, has sort of been uh, sort of a bigger uh, issue, development of minor league systems, particularly in the NBA and looking at the G League, moving that over. It used to be the D League, now you have the G League, sponsored by Gatorade and this sort of professional pathways program and investing in talent earlier on. Uh, then you've got obviously Major League Baseball contracting. Uh, I think it got rid of 40 different teams and it got rid of 20 different rounds in the draft. So looking to have more control over the minor leagues, potentially that means higher pay for some of these players, but ultimately it means more control, more of an investment. So when the teams are sold, teams are controlled, what have you, they're going to have more control over that process. But that's kind of been what's happened over the past uh, three to five years. And of course the SPACs have been the next thing. 
But of course, going into 2022, uh, sort of picked on three, picked up on three different themes that I think are important when it comes to these growing sports conglomerates, these growing sports team ownership um, sort of ideas. Number one is cross league investments. This is not anything new. Um, this is something that has gone on for some time, but there's been a lot more movement in this space, particularly as leagues have maybe relaxed some of their rules. But also I think uh, as money amongst team owners has grown, they're looking for ways to invest. So let me give an example of this. Again, gaming is going to continue to grow uh, inside sports and beyond sports. Um, but I'll take Liberty Media, for example. This is the group that owns uh, the Atlanta Braves um, with the Major League Baseball, right? They also have, uh, they own uh, Formula One, the international racing circuit. And then, of course, you have the Cronky uh, Arena Company. This is obviously Stan Cronky's company, which has investments through uh, its Cronky Entertainment Group um, via the LA Rams, um, uh, via the uh, National Hockey League, Major League Baseball, and the NBA, and the Premier League, specifically, as I mentioned, the, the LA Rams, the Colorado Avalanche from the NHL, the Colorado Rapids, and Major League Soccer. Denver Nuggets and the National Basketball Association, and obviously Arsenal FC, which is in the Premier League over in England. So that is clearly a large portfolio of teams on a wide variety of teams. Obviously, sir, there's a uh, those um, three um, Denver-based uh, teams there, obviously, because Kroenke has some connections to that area, and that's where some of his first investments came out of. But... Um, you can kind of clearly see that there is a growth in this. And they obviously have ownership in the, the um, drone racing league and also um, the uh, Meyer shank racing. So it's just, it, it's a sort of a phenomenon that's happened. Stan Kroenke, again, the owner of the Rams, um, you know, has sort of this ownership stake across multiple leagues and sports uh, really across multiple leagues and seas really, because you're going across the globe. Uh, in, in many senses. And we'll see sort of where maybe some investment in major league cricket kind of comes out of this as that sport continues to grow stateside. Then you obviously have the Fenway sports group, which has had uh, some interest and investments. Um, there's even, um, I think that's the same group that, um, uh, you know, you have uh, some existing uh, uh, baseball sort of uh, front office folks that are involved in that group across multiple teams. Uh, obviously some questions of uh, how that's going to sort of play out when you're talking about ownership stakes in a team and that sort of thing. But, um, and, and especially when you're talking about ownership stakes, uh, generally the rule is, is that you cannot own two teams in the same uh, league, right? You can't own the Red Sox and the Dodgers, right? Uh, sort of to keep things competitive, to keep things honest. And I think those rules will sort of stay in play, but Again, Fenway Sports Group is one of these groups where it used to just be the Boston Red Sox and Fenway Park. Now includes um, American and international investments across the globe. And they're continuing to look at ways to invest in um, venues, property, uh, and uh, other sports brands and assets. So uh, this is sort of makes sense, right? Because as the ability to consume sports becomes easier, 
so will the growth of international viewership and ownership. So it just it seems to me to be hand in hand. If you're if if it becomes easier and easier to watch sports via a stream or uh, to consume sports in that way via social media, or even in the sense of um, a lot of American leagues beginning to play games overseas and vice versa. The Premier League has played over here. La Liga has played over here. Um, Serie A has played over here. So there's there's definitely been some cross-pollination uh, there. But I would say American sports in particular have really looked at maybe establishing um, teams across the globe. There's been talk about the NFL in Mexico City. There's been talk about the NFL in London talk about the NFL in Germany, that sort of thing. And of course, Major League Baseball owns the Australian Baseball League. And then of course, um, you know, you have uh, a lot of different opportunities around the globe when it comes to um, different sports leagues. And we'll see how that plays out. And this is especially true in individual sports, but of course you don't have team ownership in that, that space. Um, unless you're sort of looking at it from the, the league or the, the tour standpoint, but the, either the PGA or um, the uh, men's tour or women's tour in terms of tennis, which obviously is um, there was some talk about maybe becoming one tour. And I believe that came through, but again, there's some opportunities there. So again, the first point is this idea of cross league investments. The second point is sports betting activations and partnerships. Now, this is something that's already occurred uh, post the Murphy decision, the uh, Murphy versus NCAA decision that essentially uh, Supreme Court said that, you know, uh, the PASPA Act had commandeered states not to do something, which is, of course, unconstitutional. States have a lot of rights and uh, they cannot be forced to not do something, um, particularly if the federal government has not uh, pervaded a space to say this is a space that's owned by the federal government. This is where we have a ton of laws and influence. And that was clearly not the case with sports betting because it only happened in a few states. Now, of course, this has grown where I believe almost half the states in the country now have um, some sort of sports betting scheme. And the idea was that you can have sports betting in, a, in your state, but you have to pass laws and you have to have a licensing sort of authority to give out licenses um, to um, sports betting operators. So this is gonna continue to grow, particularly as states begin to activate more, more states begin to pass laws, uh, particularly in California. Um, they have a 2022 ballot initiative. Uh, Florida um, has passed a sports betting law, but has not come online yet. I think they're still working out some deals with the uh, um, Native American reservations there and sort of uh, tribes and how that's going to work out. But again, as those come online, uh, this is only going continue, to continue to grow. I mean, the sports betting um, money that went into sports betting over from 2020 to 2021 doubled because of the new states that came, on, came online. And I think it was a $52 billion uh, market. So that's going to continue to grow. New York just went online. Um, and we'll see where California, Florida, and Texas come into play. Uh, Texas does not have a law currently that's being considered. There were some talk about it, but did not, did not have it in the current legislative session for them in their state legislature. 
but clearly these numbers will triple, quadruple, or even more. There's going to continue to be uh, activations and partnerships. Uh, this has gone on across all sports. Uh, it's even getting into college sports now. And of course, the idea is that there's going to be continued sort of issues with compliance and impropriety. And we'll sort of see how that affects the growth of sports betting or the dialing back of sports betting was sort of looking to England as an example of uh, what could potentially go wrong when it comes to um, sort of sports betting and some of the issues that you come across there. So again, we've talked about cross-league investments, which is uh, sort of across leagues, but also across the globe. Uh, we've talked about sports betting activations in terms of um, sports ownership group strategy. And then the next issue is this idea of entertainment content about sports on streaming platforms. So Netflix and Formula One had this great success with Drive to Survive series, which increased uh, viewership with, with uh, Formula One uh, significantly. We had The Man in the Arena, which is currently ongoing about Tom Brady, sports docu-series there. Uh, there's been talk about the professional tennis tour and PGA tour uh, sort of docu-series, unscripted type, um, you know, follow talent around type thing. We obviously have Hard Knocks on HBO, which follows a team around for each season. This is only going to continue to increase content and production uh, and raise awareness for teams and brands. Uh, and of course, entertainment, you know, really should and in, indeed will be a major um, part of sports teams uh, sort of growing and it should be a part of their strategy. This is a great way to uh, get into content, great way to promote brands. Uh, and frankly, if all the players are doing it, uh, the teams might be getting into it as well. So again, um, this has been some of sort of the strategies I think uh, some of the sports teams have come across. Uh, they've looked at this idea of, um, you know, uh, cross-league collaboration, looking at buying teams across uh, different leagues and across the, you know, really across oceans. And then, of course, this idea of sports betting and, of course, this idea of growing entertainment content and the crossover between entertainment media and sports, which only means that the value of individual sports rights will continue to grow. So thanks again, folks, for listening in. Uh, I'm Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast with Jeremy Evans. Thank you again for making the Believe in Sports Law podcast the number one sports law podcast in the world. Look forward to being back with you next week. And this show has been brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you so much and have a wonderful week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube